Well, please turn your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6. We're going to be looking at verses 6 through 10 this morning. Please stand with me in honor of God as we read his word together. And I'm going to read verses 6 through 10 of Galatians 6. We began looking at this passage last week, looking at verse 6, and now we're going to continue and look at the theology that verse 6 is based upon. So here's what Paul writes. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. You may be seated, may God encourage you uh, through his word this morning. And Heavenly Father, we do ask for your encouragement, we ask for your grace, we pray for your mercy upon us as we think about the things you've called us to do, and we ask for your enabling work to help us to do them. We love you, we pray these things in your Son, Jesus' name, amen. Well, this week here in Galatians 6, we're continuing to look at a passage, and, and this passage that we're looking at this week introduces a, a law, a rule a rule we call the law of the harvest, and it's a, a law that we see played out in, in many areas of life. You, you reap what you sow. That's, that's the law of the harvest. What you sow is what you reap. What you reap is what you've sown. That's the law of the harvest, and we see this law of the harvest played out in, in many areas of life, right? We see it played out in our relationships. We see this law played out in our, our finances. We see it uh, played out in our, our health. You know, if we get good rest, we, we reap rest. And so we, we see this, this law played out in so many areas of life. Uh, many of you have, have come up to me this morning and, and asked, uh, so, you know, how, how you doing? Uh, when, does, when does your daughter leave? In fact, some, uh, Jody asked me, she goes, so when? And I said, two weeks. You know, I, I know I, I'm, I'm thinking about it a lot. We're thinking about this, this stage of life that we're in. And, and we and our, our children are kind of entering this new stage of life where we, we're, we're very aware of reaping and sowing. That, okay, the, the things we're about to start seeing in our kids' lives are, are our harvest. And there's, <laughs> there's some nervousness that, that Woody and I are experiencing um, as, as we think about that, if you just want to have some fun, go go talk to Whitney about it and uh, say how you doing. Pretty rough, and then just kind of keep talking with her about that and see uh, how she. I did not tell you to do that though. She's she's not in here right now, so I can say that. But it's two weeks. You know, two weeks. We're going to continue to see uh, some harvest. Now that that principle that we see here laid out, what you reap is based upon what you sow. What are we to do with that principle? I mean, that principle, if you think about it, it seems contradictory to a lot of what we've sung this morning. I mean, I'm resting in Jesus alone, tis mercy all. You know, like that, 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 that principle seems contrary to the gospel. 
at first glance. In fact, it seems contrary to a lot of what Paul has said already in the book of Galatians. I mean, think about what he's said. He said, look, hey, it's the legalist who thinks that you're saved and sanctified by your works, by works of the law. No one's going to be justified on the the basis of their works. It's, It's God's grace. We rely upon Jesus Christ for our salvation. That's the gospel message. And now we come to chapter six and Paul says, hey, by the way, you reap what you sow. Wait, 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 what? <laughs> I thought we were dependent upon God's grace. How does this law of the harvest relate to grace? How does the law of the harvest encourage us? What does it have to do with, with the gospel? The biblical teaching on sowing and reaping, I believe, is not contrary to what Paul has already said. The law of the harvest, it's a warning and it's an exhortation. It warns us, it says, look, if you, if you commit to living a life sowing to the flesh, you're going to reap the flesh. But if in God's grace you pursue walking in the Spirit, which is right in line with the gospel, you're going to see the, the harvest of the Spirit and eternal life. In fact, in this passage, we see that there's hope in this law of the harvest. We have the ability now that we're free. Remember in the section of, of Galatians that's talking about, the, about freedom. Now, if I'm free in Christ, I can now pursue those things that are going to bring me joy in eternity and even now. So in other words, the law of the harvest tells me that in Christ I'm free, and now I have the ability in Christ to pursue those things, to, to sow to those things that are going to bring me joy in eternity, and even some joy right now as I begin to sow those things in the freedom in Christ that I have. Here's kind of the principle that I want us to look at and begin to kind of explore and and think through in this passage. The, the, The principle is this. None of us, none of us can escape the law of the harvest for what we will reap in the future depends on what is sown now. And far from being an oppressive law, this law is, is a law filled with gospel hope. By God's grace, we could say, none of us can escape the law of the harvest. For what you and I reap in the future is dependent by God's grace on what is sown now. So what I want us to do together is look at, at several principles, and we're going to spend by far most of our time on the first principle. Look at three principles to kind of help us understand the law of the harvest. And the first principle is simply kind of restating the law of the harvest. Here's principle number one. What you sow is what you reap. Okay, What you sow is what you reap. Now, in verse 7, we see the law explained. And then in verse 8, we see this, this law, this, this principle illustrated with two examples. So verse 7 Kind of helps us understand the principle. Verse 8 helps us understand it even deeper as he gives us an example. So let's first of all look at verse 7 and see the principle explained. All right, read the the verse in your text there with me if you would. And if you don't have a Bible, maybe you can kind of even look there at your, your, uh, hopefully you have at least a a Bible app on your phone or something. Here's, here here will be a lot in the text here. So here's what Paul writes. He says, don't be deceived. So he's, he's explaining this principle, and he begins his explanation of the principle with a warning. Don't deceive yourself. Don't fool yourself. Don't cause yourself to think the wrong things. He says, don't deceive yourself, and don't deceive yourself in this area. God is not mocked. What does Paul mean? He says, there are some people 
who have deceived themselves into believing that this, this principle does not exist. There are some of us who have deceived ourselves into believing, look, I can, I can sow some things now and not reap the harvest later. Peter would describe these, these people in 2 Peter chapter 3. Listen to what Peter says. He says, uh, remember that you were warned, he's talking about the, the prophets and the apostles, warned you that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. So there's going to be some people who scoff God, and they, they follow their own sinful desires. And what do they say? Peter writes, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things, listen to this, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. So look, I'm, I'm sinning right now, and, and nothing's changed. And nothing has changed since the time that our, our fathers fell asleep. So, so I'm, I can do what I want, and God is not going to, to cause me to bear any penalty for what I'm doing. But Peter writes, They deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago when the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stirred up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. To mock God means to believe that what I do now will bear no penalty or, or reap no harvest in the future. That is what Paul is saying when he says, don't, don't, mock God, don't be deceived, God is not mocked. To mock God, again, is to believe that sowing and reaping are not related, that I can sow to my flesh and I can love the world and nothing bad will happen. God and I are still good. Here's, here's the principle stated. He says, don't be deceived. This is verse 7 again. God's not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Sowing and reaping are, are part of the very fabric of the universe, right? Cause and effect. Sow and reap. It's true in, in all areas of life, right? My, my parenting. It's true in my job. It's true in, in finances. It's true in our, our relationships. What, what I invest now, I, I reap a harvest in later. I was reading this book called the, the Power of Habit. The Power of Habit. Maybe some of you have read that book. But it's talking at the beginning of the book about how habits are formed. And uh, the, the, the writer talks about how um, there's oftentimes some sort of some sort of thing that, that triggers us, you know, like I, 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 I'm hungry and I, I walk by the pantry and then I, I, I see something, I see some pretzels and so I, I reach in and I grab some pretzels and I, I eat them and I feel kind of, kind of happy, right? And then I, I do that a bunch of times. There's a trigger, hungry, routine, I, I grab some pretzels, reward, mmm, those taste good, right? And that happens and, and he says, uh, people who study these things have found that the more you do those things, the more your brain begins to anticipate the reward. So even as you just, even as, as you just kind of begin to do the routine you've trained yourself to do, your brain begins to, get, to let you feel the, the feeling of reward. And, and that's how a habit develops. You, you sow, you sow, you sow, you sow, and then you, you reap a habit. He, he gives this illustration in, in the book about how in the early 1900s, it's, this is hard for me to imagine, but in the early 1900s, like 7% of American households even owned a tube of toothpaste. 
it was a time where you talked very distantly to people, you know. But, uh, and then this advertising guy for, for Pepsi and began to advertise toothpaste and, and training people. Look, this is the, the reward of, of brushing your teeth. And so people began to, to work it in their, their daily routine. And by the, like 10 years later, 65% of uh, Americans had a tube of toothpaste in their home. And it was a much happier country in those years, you know. That's the, the power of sowing and reaping. It's, it's true psychologically, it's true relationally, it's true spiritually. And over and over again in, in Scripture, God warns us of this, this, this law. Job says, I, I've seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. Proverbs 22.8, whoever sows injustice will reap calamity and the rod of his fury will fail. Hosea warns the Israelites in, in uh, Hosea 8, 7, they sow the wind, they reap the whirlwind. He says in chapter 10, sow for yourselves righteousness and reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. But you have plowed iniquity, you've reaped injustice, you've eaten the fruit of lies. And there's this, there's this end end of... Uh, End in sight. Paul's, Paul's thoughts here on the future. You sow, and that's what you're going to reap. And, and he's talk, talking about reaping here in, in eternity. So that's, that's the principle. That's it explained. And now let's look at verse 8, and we see the principle, the principle illustrated. And, and he illustrates it by talking about the two options that we have in terms of, of spiritual sowing. Every person has, every human being has two options. You can either sow to the Spirit or you can sow to the flesh. And he first of all talks about sowing to the flesh. And so look, look at verse 8 with me if you would. He says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Now, now what does it mean, first of all, to sow to the flesh? Well, this is what Paul has been talking about all throughout the, the book of Galatians. The person who sows to the flesh, remember the flesh is, is that which is in opposition to God. And so the person who is sowing to his or her flesh is sowing to those, those worldly things that are in opposition to God. Instead of sowing to the Spirit, we're sowing to the flesh. I'm, I'm pursuing the things of this world. Remember in Galatians chapter 1, it talks about how Jesus, Jesus it says in Galatians chapter 1 verse, verse 4, gave himself for our sins listen to this, to deliver us from the present evil age. And so the person who's a believer has been delivered from the present evil age, but the person who is walking the flesh isn't, isn't acting like that. They're, they are acting as though they still love this, this present evil age, this present evil world. These are the people who are putting hope in their own flesh for their sanctification. They're not turning to God. These are people who are sowing to this present world. And you say, well, What's so bad about that? What's so bad about being enthralled with the things of this world? Well, he says, the people who sow to the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. That word corruption there means, means to destruction. It means decay. It's the image of a, of a corpse in the middle of decomposition. It's bad. It's, it's wicked. It's evil. That's what the ultimate harvest is. It's final destruction. So the warning is, the person who sows to the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. There's coming a day where the person who has sown to their flesh is going to reap 
eternal destruction because of that. He says, don't be deceived. The law of the harvest applies here. And I said, well, Daniel, I, I know there's a, a coming eternity. There's, there's a coming judgment in which those, those seeds will, will be reaped and they'll be harvested. But, but what, about, what about even right now? Isn't it possible that even though Paul is talking about an ultimate reaping, isn't there, isn't there consequence? Isn't there, there a reaping for sowing the flesh that happens even now? And how do we understand that? <clears throat> and the answer, of course, is, is yes. When we sow to the flesh, there are some harvests that we reap even now in, in the present. You say, well, does that mean that, that God is... is uh, punishing even even believers is that part of God's judgment? And I think here's the here's how I would understand this this law of the harvest. I would say, the law of the harvest, even in the life of a believer, where we begin to harvest the, the the things we've sown in the flesh, I believe that's a sign of God's grace. Now now how can that be? Many of you have been a part of our, our biblical counseling ministry, and, and you know that our biblical counseling ministry, if, if you've been involved in it for any length of time, you know that one of the illustrations that is used is the illustration of, of the harvest and the heat and the heart. And the idea there is that as we go through life, there are sometimes some very difficult things that come into our life. There's, there's suffering. There's suffering from our, our family members, maybe suffering in our job, suffering from our, our fellow Christians, health suffering. That's kind of the heat that takes place in our life. And, and then uh, as, as heat is applied in our life, there's, there's harvest or things that grow because of that heat. And the, the things that, that come up in our life come from our heart. So there's, there's a heat in our life, there's harvest that happens, and that, that harvest flows out of what's in our, our heart. And in our lives, as we begin to, to reap some of the harvest, as we begin to see some of the harvest, we're able to examine that harvest and see how our hearts are before the Lord. We look at our, our lives and we say, okay, I, I'm, beginning to, I'm beginning to reap some things in my life that are clearly fleshly. I mean, you see that the works of the flesh, the deeds of the flesh that Paul says are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like these. I'm beginning to see those things playing out in my life. As, as I see that, that the, those, those signs of the flesh, that is, that's God's grace in my life. Why is it God's grace in my life? Because those are like little warning lights saying, warning, 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 warning. There's something not right spiritually here. You need to turn from these things. And if you're a believer, turn back to the gospel. Turn to Christ and say, I, I need you to forgive me and, and to deal with these things. It's, it's a warning that God gives us in his grace. There's so many examples, large and small, of, of sowing and in reaping, right? I'm in a marriage relationship, and, and I'm, 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 I'm frustrated with my spouse, and so I, I, begin to, I begin to just have little snide comments that I make sometimes when, when my spouse does things that I don't like. Or instead of asking for forgiveness, I'm, I'm too proud, and so I, I refuse to ask for forgiveness, and, and what am I doing? I'm sowing. I, I speak ill about my spouse to other people. What am I doing? I'm, I'm sowing. I allow resentment to, to foster instead of forgiving. What am I doing? I'm sowing. I'm sowing. I'm sowing. I'm a young person. 
and, and I, I begin to, to visit sites on the internet that I, that I know I should not be, be visiting. And what am I doing? I'm, I'm sowing. Little things, tiny things, little slips, but I'm, what am I, I'm sowing. I'm sowing. I'm a young person involved in a relationship with another person, and, and we begin to, to go beyond what we, what we know that God would have us do in terms of uh, a physical relationship and what, how God would have, one, have us treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. What am I doing? I'm, I'm sowing. I begin to, to pursue the, the physical things of this world and love them, and I think, you know, I can, I can just kind of have a little bit of these loves and still go to church and do these things, and what am I doing? I'm sowing, I'm sowing, I'm sowing. And, and what does God tell us here? What is Paul warning? Look, don't mock God. Don't deceive yourself. The law of the harvest is real. And these things that you're sowing now that you say, you know what, I, I think I can do these things and, and God will, will deal with it and, and God, will, God will just kind of take care of all this. I don't have to worry about it. It's okay for me to pursue these fleshly things. Don't be deceived. Don't mock God. These things will bear fruit that needs to be dealt with. John Stott said, that, said it this way, He said, every time we allow our minds to harbor a grudge, nurse a grievance, entertain an impure fantasy, wallow in self-pity, we're sowing to the flesh. Every time we linger in bad company whose, whose influence we know we cannot resist, every time we lie in bed when we ought to be up and praying, every time we, we read pornographic literature, every time we take a, a risk which strains our self-control, we are sowing, sowing, sowing to the flesh some Christians sow to the flesh every day and wonder why they do not reap holiness. Holiness is a harvest. Whether we reap it or not depends almost entirely on what and where we sow. Brothers and sisters, let's not mock God, right? Let's believe that that what he says is true in terms of of what we sow and what we reap. What our eyes take in, what we teach our children, what what we think about, what we meditate upon, decision after decision we make, we're sowing seeds that are going to be born in the future. There's this uh, this story by Oscar Wilde, the, the, the picture of Dorian Gray. Maybe, maybe some of you have read it. It's a, it's a short novel. But it's a story about this young man, Dorian Gray. And he, someone paints a, a portrait of him. And uh, he's, he's a, a handsome man, and the portrait is this beautiful portrait of a handsome man. And Dorian Gray sees the portrait, and, and he, he wishes and, and prays. He goes, I, I wish that that that, that portrait would age and change and that I would stay the same. And that's what happens. He's given the portrait. He places it in his cellar, in his basement. And then he begins to live this, this wild lifestyle and do terrible things. And yet, yet the things that he does seem to have no effect on his physical appearance, upon his soul. And this, this portrait in the basement, the cellar, begins to, to show the, the ravages of sin on his physical features. And then it comes to the end of the novel, and, and he's, he's wondering, should he, should he confess what he's done? And he decides, I'm not going to confess. In fact, I'm going to destroy that, that picture that's really the, the evidence against me. Because if anyone ever sees that portrait, they'll be able to guess the truth. And so he goes down in the cellar, he grabs a knife, and he, and he begins to, to stab the portrait. But in reality, 
He's plunging the knife into his own soul. His servants hear this scream and they go down and here's how the story ends. Spoiler alert, if you've known. It says, when his servants entered, they found hanging upon the wall a splendid portrait of their master as they had last seen him. And all the wonder of his exquisite youth and beauty. Lying on the floor was a dead man in evening dress with a knife in his heart. He was withered, wrinkled, and loathsome of visage. Sin bears harvest. So the flesh, from the flesh, shall reap corruption, decay, destruction. You say, oh, Daniel, that's a discouraging principle. Is there any hope, as I think about my own life, is there any hope, as I think about the things that I've sown... Let's look at the next example that Paul gives here. Here, you know, In the rest of the verse, he talks about the person who sows to the Spirit. The one who sows the Spirit, Paul says, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, what does it mean to sow in the Spirit? Well, it's what we've been talking about for, for several weeks ago, uh, several weeks uh, on this issue of, of freedom in Christ and, and walking in the Spirit. Sowing the Spirit is walking in the Spirit. This is a person who's producing the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5, 22 through 23. It's a person that Paul is talking about in verse 16 of chapter 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 18, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Verse 25 of Galatians 5, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So this is the person who is aware of their sin, they're confessing it to God. They're, they're clinging to the hope of the gospel. They're asking for God's help. They're reading his word, believing that what he says is true. They're trusting those promises, and, and then they're acting. And what's the, what is it that they, they reap? Well, it's eternal life. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18 to his disciples, he says, Truly I say to you, there is no one, there is no one, who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many more in this time, in the age to come, will not receive many, many times more in this time and in the age to come, eternal life. What do we do with this principle, right? You say, okay, I, what I sow is what I reap. And Daniel, as you talk about sowing in the flesh and how I'm definitely going to have to reap this, that's discouraging because I have sown to the flesh a, a great deal. Does that mean now I'm in, I'm in this hopeless situation? I just say, okay, God, I'm ready to reap. I'm going to reap, and, and, and that's it? Brothers and sisters, what this principle does is, is it, point, it continues to point us to the gospel. And it allows us in our, in our realization of, of the consequences of sin, we do what God calls every human being to do with when they are confronted with the reality of their sin, to turn to him. We say, okay, God, I believe that this principle is true. And because I believe it to be true, I, I'm turning to you. I'm recognizing I am not good enough to sow the, the, to the Spirit in the way that I need to. And so I'm, I'm clinging to the gospel message that says that you will do the work that I can't do. I'm believing that you have the ability to, to, to free me to, to, through what your, your gospel promises, to, to free me to pursue those things that are going to bring me joy into eternity. He said, well, Daniel, it's just, what about my past? 
I mean, I have spent six months sowing in this area of my life in, in terms of, of greed or, or lust or, or there's some er- or years in, in this, this relationship with my, my spouse or there are people in the church that it's just, you know, there's been this, this 10-year sowing in my family that I, I, I'm discouraged by that. I, I don't know what to do. There's this beautiful passage in, in Joel where the, the people are, are told about their sin and, and, and their harvest for their sin. And, and listen to what God tells his people. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. Christ is the great restorer. And the gospel message tells us this. The gospel message tells us, okay, what you reap is what you sow. That's, that's a universal principle. We see it throughout the universe. But as I'm confronted with what I have sown, I can now turn to Jesus Christ. And I can say, okay, I, I have not the ability of my own to, to, to face the penalty for the things that I've done. I can't plant the fruit, that I, the, the seeds that I need to plant in order to reap the harvest that I desire to, to harvest. And so what the gospel tells us is that Christ takes upon himself the harvest that we deserve. And now you and I, this is the amazing truth of scripture, you and I get to participate in the benefits of the harvest that Christ has sown. And so now through the work of the Spirit, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm grafted into the life of Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm part of Jesus Christ. And now as I live my life, I'm, I'm sowing to the Spirit, not on my, the basis of my own ability and works, but on the ability of God who works through me. And so I participate in the blessings of what Jesus Christ has sown, and I reap the harvest of what Jesus Christ has sown. Isn't that a beautiful principle? And so, yeah, there's a lot of junk that I have sown. And, and yes, it is absolutely true that at times I will begin to, to harvest some of those things from the flesh, but those things are not God's condemnation on me. Those are his very gracious warning lights of my life saying, turn to me, turn to me, turn to me, and taste of my harvest, not the harvest of your flesh. Sow to the Spirit. Reap eternal life. Here's the second principle here. The harvest always comes. The harvest always comes, so don't grow weary in doing good. Let us not grow weary of doing good, Paul writes, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. What, what does it mean to grow weary? For whatever reason, this, this here describes a person who's not continuing to walk in the Spirit. Maybe it's a momentary lapse. Maybe there's some, some difficulty in their life and they're, and they're just discouraged by the reality of, of how tough life is. Maybe, maybe they've just kind of lost their passion in the gospel. Maybe they just see the things in the world and, and get, get weary. There's a poem by T.S. Eliot called the, the Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock. And he describes, a, it's kind of a modern take on the the failing vigor of, of life and of middle age. and The, the poem goes like this. It's this, this middle-aged man, and he says, Though I have seen my head grown slightly bald, brought in upon a platter, I am no prophet, and here's no great matter. 
I have seen the moment of my greatness flicker. I've seen the moment of my greatness flicker. And I've seen the eternal footman hold my coat and snicker. And I've been afraid. He's describing there a very worldly understanding of, of, of thinking about our own mortality and our, our lack of greatness and becoming discouraged. And, and brothers and sisters, this happens to us spiritually as well, right? Martin Lloyd-Jones Martin Lloyd-Jones write this. He says, you know, great attention is being paid to young... He's talking about this passage. He says, great attention is being paid to young people today, and a considerable amount of attention is paid to old people. But I'm perfectly convinced that the most difficult period in all of life is the middle period. There are compensations in the youth, compensations in old age, which seem to be entirely lacking in this, this middle period. We all account, encounter it either by personal experience or by hearsay talks about it's true in all areas of life and says if you read the biographies of the most successful men the world has ever known in any particular branch you will find that they are all agreed in saying that the the level or the plateau was the most difficult period of of life and he says it's equally true in the religious or the spiritual life this is the stage which follows the initial experience the the initial experience of of receiving the gospel in which everything is is new and surprising and and maybe there's been times in your life where where things have been good and or maybe you're confronted with a a biblical truth about persevering in the faith and so you begin to do that or there's some sort of you're going through counseling and and discipleship and someone tells you this truth and you get excited at first you say okay i'm gonna i'm gonna apply this in my relationship with my parents i'm gonna apply this in my relationship with with other youth I'm going to apply this, this principle in relationship with, with my spouse, with my coworkers, and you begin to do it, and there's, there's an excitement. But then middle age hits, <laughs> spiritual middle age. There's a, a moment where, where the vigor is, is fading, and, and you begin to wonder, can I, can I really persevere in this? Throughout Scripture, we see over and over again this, this warning, don't lose heart. 2 Corinthians 4, you have this ministry, by the mercy of God, don't lose heart. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed by, day by day. And Paul says, look, if you, if you don't give up now, if you continue to persevere in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Brothers and sisters, this is the law of the harvest because it can be very discouraging as we find ourselves right now in, in, the, in the spiritual middle age before the, the coming of, of Christ. It can be very discouraging to think, I'm, I'm not receiving the harvest that I desire to receive. I've done the good things that I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm walking in the Spirit. I'm trying to at least, and yet I, I'm not seeing any fruit from this. Paul says, don't give up. Keep, keep, perse- keep persevering. Sometimes the fruit comes slowly. I read a, a story this last week, 1691. In 1691, there was a man named uh, Luke Short. And Luke Short believed the gospel. He became a Christian in 1691. Now, there were two remarkable things about Luke's conversion. One, he was 103 years old, right? 103 years old. He, he lived another three years after that on his tombstone. They wrote, here lies a babe in grace, aged three years, who died according to nature, 106 years old. So that's, that's a pretty remarkable thing. I don't know of anyone else... I don't see anyone else in this room who probably became a Christian at 103. That's a pretty amazing thing. 
But the other amazing thing, the second amazing thing about his conversion story, he, he was converted when he remembered a sermon that he had listened to. He was sitting underneath a tree, and he remembered a sermon that he had heard preached 85 years ago. <laughs> now, that's some slow fruit, right? <laughs> you can imagine maybe, maybe being that pastor that preached and, 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 and uh, being a part of Luke's life, and man, this, this is not going well. You die. Your kid does die. Your grandkids die. Luke's still around. <laughs> and one day, 103 years old, harvest. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in loving one another. Don't grow weary in, in loving people who don't love you back. Don't grow weary in doing the good things that God has called you to do, that he enables you to do by your spirit. Don't grow weary with your children. Don't grow weary with your parents. Don't grow weary with me. I won't grow weary with you. In due season, we'll reap. If we don't, don't give up. Maybe it'll, be, maybe it'll be this week. Maybe it'll be tomorrow. Maybe it will be in eternity, but we will reap by God's grace. Last principle. The needs that others have especially the needs of believers, are opportunities for eternal reward. This is another part of this law of the harvest. The amazing thing is that we have, by God's grace, because of the law of the harvest and, and the, the gospel working through us as, as the Spirit works through us, you and I have the opportunity to take temporary things and invest in eternal treasure. Remember the, the contours of this passage. It begins in verse 6. Hey, uh, financially... Or, or share all the good things you have with the one who teaches the word. And now here's the theology behind it. The, the theology behind it is because the things you invest in are the things you're going to reap. And so if you value the word, invest in the word, invest in people who are teaching the word so that you can reap eternal life. That, so that's, that's the principle. That's the theology. And now he goes back to a practical application. As we have opportunity, let's, let's do good to everyone. Because it's true that we're going to reap what we sow, let's do good things by God's enabling grace, and, and let's especially do good things to those who are of the household of faith. Now, don't over-spiritualize doing good. I mean, there's, there's spiritual components to this as well, but Paul's focus is on, on, on physical provisions here. There's a, an opportunity, a limited ability we now have to meet needs, and, and the, the governor on our caring for others should be our opportunity, not our desire. So I, I don't have the ability to meet every need that exists in the world, but as I have opportunity, I'm going to do those things. And so what, what limits me is my access to people in need, not my desire to help people in need, if, if that makes sense. And why? This is so then, so because of the eternal benefit. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 16, he would say, Now concerning the collection of saints, I directed you... As I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so there will be no collecting when I come. We have the opportunity to do this as well at Bethany Community Church. Every Sunday we take communion. There's a benevolence offering. I have dropped the ball the last two months and not reminded you of, of that opportunity. But uh, God gives us the opportunity in our benevolence offering to, to meet the needs of others in our church. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, we're talking with the deacons this last week. There are some, 
there are some big needs that, are, that exist in our church right now. I, I would commend the Benevolence Fund to you. I would commend you being a, be, making yourself aware of needs that exist in the church and letting others in the church know about them so that we can fulfill what God has called us to do, not out of obligation, a burdensome obligation, but out of the opportunity, right, for eternal benefit. None of us escapes the law of the harvest. None of us escapes the law of the harvest for what we will reap in the future depends on what is sown now. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Sometimes it feels overwhelming. Sometimes it feels like, oh, God, I'm going to sow these things that I've reaped. But in reality, as I begin to, sow, to, to reap some of the fleshly things that I've sown, it is a gift of God for me to say, God, this is not what I desire by your grace. I want to sow to the Spirit. I want to turn myself over to you, asking for your forgiveness and your grace. And I want you to work through me as I sow to the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, let's, let's not mock God, right? Let's not be deceived. Let's believe what he tells us, that the, the little things that we sow are things that are going to, to reap fruit. And let us pursue holiness so that we can reap holiness and joy, that which will bring us joy forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for just this, the, the way the gospel beautifully takes this, this principle of the law of the harvest and, 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 and gives it life and, and new birth. And we, we pray that in your grace we would pursue your son Jesus. We pray that your spirit would enable us to sow the things that are going to bring us joy. And Father, as you even this morning may be convicting us in different areas, we, we pray that you would be gracious to us, that you would forgive us for those, those things, those fleshly things that we've sown that we would see a beautiful fruit as we turn from those things to your son, Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.